0: So since Jonathan is not with us uh, on a regular basis anymore, this means that we need more volunteers to do the children's sermons. So there's a sign-up sheet at the back there. If you are interested in doing that, it would be greatly appreciated. So we're in 2 Kings chapter five. This is the story of the account of Naaman who was healed of leprosy. And as was sharing with the children, he was a great man. He was commander of the army of the king of Syria. It's, uh, in your Bibles, it may say Aram, A-R-A-M. Aram is another word for Syria. And he was um, a very great man in that country because he had led them in their battles and they had been victorious. And the writer of 2 Kings tells us that he was victorious because God, the Lord, had given victory to Aram, to Syria, through this very valiant and brave man. So, wait a minute. God gave Syria victory? They're not even Israelites. God cares about them? Well, yeah. God provides for them? If they're going to win a victory, it's because God gave that victory to them. So God is working in the heart of this man and in the hearts of the people who are going to witness this. This is going to be a testimony and a witness not only to Naaman but to the king of Syria and that whole country because he is a very public figure and these things were not done in a corner. So here Naaman is. Here's this great man and you've got this very young girl. Um, So here she is she has been taken as a captive in one of the raids that Syria made on Israel. These pagan country attacking the people of God and being victorious. And they took this young girl away from her family and her home. And now she's a slave in the house of Naaman. And she's a servant to Naaman's wife. But it must have been a, very, a pretty comfortable home. This little girl gives a suggestion to her master, her her mistress. And she's heard and taken seriously. I wish the people in Israel would hear and take as as seriously when they hear a word from God. may have been that they were desperate. I don't know, but they, they took her word to heart and it passed on up the chain and um, he says, look, uh, Samaria is the capital city of Israel. they got a prophet there. He would cure him of his leprosy. No doubt about it in this young girl's life. Uh, tell these kids something and they believe it. They're not embarrassed. And they're not backwards about telling it to anybody else. So you got this great man and this slave girl. So Naaman goes. And like we said later, later um, the king of Aram sent this letter to the king of Israel and he says an interesting thing. Am I God? Can I kill and bring to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me. He thinks the guy's looking for an excuse to attack them again, to start a war. <clears throat> Actually, he's just, asked, he's just acting upon the testimony of a young Israelite girl About the glory and power of God. But it's a good question. Am I God? It's asked a couple of other times in scripture. Um, Jacob talks about it in um, Genesis chapter 30. And there's a problem. Um, Jacob's got a couple of wives. That's the big problem. Uh, but one of them, his favorite one, is barren, not able to have children. And so Rachel comes to Jacob and she sees that Leah having children and she's being blessed. So she says to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. That's a pretty desperate woman. There's a social stigma in their society and culture against women who can't have children. They're considered to be under some sort of curse. And looked down on in their society. So she's saying, give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry, and he says to her, am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Um, He says, look, it's not my fault. (laughs) I'm not the one who is the author of life. I do not control these things. That's in the hands of God. Now later on, Joseph, who's going to be the answer to Rachel's prayer, God's going to perform a miracle and she's going to be enabled to have a child. His Joseph, becomes a favorite son, ends up in a foreign country as a slave and then as a slave who's been put in prison. God has other ideas and he delivers him and uses him to have a great deliverance for Israel and for Egypt. But his brothers who had sold him into slavery it had been, he was about 17, or around there when he was sold. Now he's 56 years old. So it's been a long time. His brothers had, had come, um, and he had revealed who he was to them, as you know, and had forgiven them. But there, could not accept that forgiveness. And so the guilt of what they had done to him all of those years before, Still weighed heavy on, it's been 40 years. 40 years and they still could not accept that Jacob had forgiven them, that Joseph had forgiven them. So they waited till Jacob died and then they come and they said, what if, what if Joseph holds a grudge? Well, he's already forgiven them. So they sent word and says, your father left us instructions saying, before he died, This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they've committed in treating you so badly. Please forgive the sins of the servants of God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. And he says to them, they all come and they bow down before him on the ground. We are your slaves, they said. Joseph says to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph understood that vengeance has no place in the heart of any of us. That's God's prerogative. And he says, I'm not in the place of God. I don't have the right to judge anybody else for anything that they do. It's not my place. And when we do that, we're taking the place of God. Well, the king of Israel thought he was in a similar position. Am I in the place of God? Because God's the only one who can give life. He's the only one who can heal this guy. I'm not God. Yes, but you're the king of a country who's supposed to be worshiping God. This is the God you're supposed to be serving. king feels like he's in a a very awkward situation. So he is acknowledging here, only God can deal with this man's leprosy. It's going to be interesting in the New Testament, isn't it? When Jesus comes and He heals lepers. It's an indication of who He is. He has the authority and the power and the ability to make leprous people whole again. The King of Israel didn't know that at the time. And he feels like he's in serious trouble. And he was. Well, Elisha, the man of God, hears that. He says, why have you torn your robes? Uh, Because the king of Israel was so distraught at this and considered it such a great threat. And he didn't know what to do. And so as a sign of grief and despair, he's tearing his robes and all of that. And Elisha says, hey, there is a God in Israel. And we are his people. And we don't have to be afraid or fear these things. Send the man here. So they do. And he goes and this very powerful great man, acting on the words of a little girl, um, comes with his great retinue with all the gold and silver and clothes and all of that sort of thing. And um, comes before Elisha. So... When a person has a position of authority and power, then too often they begin to take themselves too seriously. And so they begin to expect certain ways of conduct and expect certain courtesies. Don't you know who I am? We all know people like that. And they don't have to be great important people can be a little person in a little job, but if they have authority. So Naaman comes, and all he gets is a messenger coming out saying, go jump in the river. Seven times. And he gets offended. Almost, almost, his pride prevented him from being healed. He came very close. I wonder for us today as Christian people, what our pride prevents us from receiving from God. Fortunately, he had servants, people in his retinue, that really cared about him. And it shows you a little bit about the nature and character of Naaman. He's willing to listen to his, the slave girl of his wife. He's willing to listen to his servants now. And he's angry, though. And he says, look, I've got better rivers than, in Syria. And so he went off in a rage. But his servants came, and they came up to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to go do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? How much more when he just tells you, wash and be cleansed? So he humbles himself, turned his back on his pride, stopped his anger. And he went and he did what he was told. And he was cleansed. So he went down, dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So you've got the young girl telling the great man to, to seek after God. He does. And he becomes his skin like a young boy. Um, it's a a metaphor of being born again, isn't it? So his skin, like a very young child. Naaman and all of his attendants go back to the man of God and he stands before him. This time Elisha comes out and he says to him, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please take this gift from your servant. He's got all this silver, all this gold, all these costly clothing, And remember the sin of Achan, back when Jericho was destroyed? It was the money and the clothes. So, if you're really taken up with clothing, be careful. The fashion statement may cost you. (laughs) And so, he's got all of these things, I want to give them to you, just out of gratitude and thanks. I mean, he saved, he rescued this man from certain death. Allows him to be able to go home back to his family. Saved his life. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. Even though Naaman urged him, he refused. When's the last time you offered money to a ministry and they said, No thanks. What Elisha was saying is that the healing didn't come from me. This healing came from God. And God's healing, God's gifts, are free. This is grace. There's no cost. Now he's talking to a pagan enemy of Israel. This is the guy who leads the armies, who kills Israeli soldiers. And he tells him, this grace of God for you is free. Just like it is for all the rest of us. It doesn't cost anything. This is God's grace. So Naaman says, okay, he respects that. But maybe you could give me as much earth as a pair of mules can carry because I will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. He wants to go home and make an altar. A place where he can worship God who's changed his life. He has had a heartfelt conversion here. He knows who God is and he wants to worship him and him alone. And he wants to take some of this earth and make an altar to him. In Syria when he goes home in a pagan society and culture But he knows who healed him. And he knows what God did for him. He had experienced the grace of God in his life and it was uncontestable, irrefutable, beyond doubt or question. And anybody who knew him, all they had to do was look at him and they could see the difference. That ought to be our testimony. People ought to be able to look at us and see the difference before we ever open our mouth. Because we are the testimony before we ever open our mouth. He doesn't realize that God, we can worship Him anywhere. But He's coming straight out of a pagan culture and He's come a long way. But, he says, May the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimen to bow down and he is leaning on my arm and I bow there also, when I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord forgive your servant for this. Well, Rimen was the god of the, uh, the major god of the, of the Syrians. He was called Rimen Hadad, or Rimen Hadad. Um, he was the, the local representation of the storm god and the god of war. Naaman's a general. This is his god, Right? The name Remen means the thunderer, and it's an it's a a local expression of Baal worship. Um, Baal was also a storm god, and the symbol of Baal and Remen was a thund- thunderbolt. So they have pictures of this warrior guy, usually has a, a sometimes a bow in one hand, but he's got thunderbolts in the other. That's the god of Baal, the god of thunder and war and storm. That's who they worshipped, and. Naaman knows that that is no God. And he knows that there is a God and he knows the difference now. But as a man in this important position, he's got to go into the temple of Rimon with the king on his arm. And the king is old and feeble and so he leans on this trusted official. And so he says, I've got to do this. I have to be there and when the king bows I have to bow too because he's hanging on to me and he says I'm asking God to forgive me when I do that because I know who he is so what did Elisha say? you can't do that no he said go in peace God knows your heart he's not advocating compromise here but he's saying there are things that you have to do in your life uh, but it's What's going to happen is this king is going to see you. And as he sees you and he sees your health and he sees that there's a difference in how you live now, that's going to be the witness. Keep the door open and give the witness consistently each and every day. So Naaman, peace in his heart, healed body, understanding and knowing who God is, heads home. I wish the story stopped there, but it doesn't. And so you've got one man coming out of the darkness and understanding and discovering who God is. At the same time, you have another man, a man who knows God, but now out of his greed and his prejudice, he's going to walk into the darkness, willingly and knowingly, deliberately, So Elisha has a servant. His name is Gehazi. Gehazi is a man who's uh, been faithful to Elisha. He served him for a long time. He's seen the miracles of God, worked through this man. He's seen miracles. He he bore witness to the healing of Naaman. So the context is this tremendous miracle of God. This pagan uh, important official has been converted and healed And he's on his way home with the testimony of God in his heart. And what's Gehazi thinking? My master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramaean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. It's too easy. You accepted this great sinner because they humbled themselves and confessed their sins and prayed and asked you to forgive them? That's too easy. It's too easy. It's too simple. And many times people today, even as Christians, we think, Jesus says, trust me and believe and you'll be healed. Trust me, I'm going to cleanse your sins. Your sins have been forgiven because of the cross. And we think, he can't forgive me that easily. But he does. He does. And he did. And he continues to do so. And we can take our worst enemy and God loves that person as much as he loves us. And he died for them as much as he did us. Gehazi, as an Israeli who is a servant of the prophet who's seen the miracles of God, cannot accept that. This Aramean, this Syrian leader of the armies that defeat us and take us captive He's gotten off too easy. He needs to pay. So he runs after him. But it's not for the Lord that he's zealous, is it? He's greedy for himself. Sometimes we get the two confused, don't we? This is what God wants. Really? Are we using God as a cover-up for our sin? Our greed, our prejudice, our hatred, our lack of forgiveness. So Gehazi hurries after Naaman. When Naaman saw him running toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything okay? This guys he's running. Maybe there's a problem. He stops the chariot, gets down. Anything okay? No, oh, no, no, everything's fine. But my master sent me, he's doing this in the name of Elisha now sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come in from the hill country. We don't have anything. Uh, Please give him a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. Naaman's a generous man. He's filled with gratitude and praise to God. Take two talents. And he urges Gehazi to accept them. Well, if you insist, I'll take two talents. That's 75 pounds of silver. plus um, the garments. And so, in addition, uh, he takes the the silver and he puts it in two bags and two sets of clothing and he sends two servants to carry it for Gehazi. (laughs) Here's this servant. Now he's got two servants serving him. This has turned out better than I thought. I don't even have to carry this heavy stuff. And it's all mine. So he, he goes back home But he stops before he gets to the house and says, that's okay, you guys can go on, I'll take it from here. Because he didn't want anybody else to know. And he takes it and he hides it. Then he goes to see Elisha. He walks in. Elisha says, where have you been, Gehazi? He said, I didn't go anywhere. So he's lied to Naaman. He lied in the name of Elisha. And now he's got to tell another lie because once you start down the road of telling lies, there isn't any end, is there? One requires another and another and another. And so the deceit and the guilt and the sin increases exponentially. I didn't go anywhere. Elijah said to him, you don't mess with prophets. (laughs) God speaks to those guys and they know (laughs) because God gives them a word of knowledge. Elisha says, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? And then he asked the question. It's a good question. Is this the time to take money or accept clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds, or men servants and maid servants? So that's the wrong time. There's a time for that. And it may be appropriate sometime to receive those things. But now when we're witnessing to this man and this man's going to take this witness back to a pagan country and he is going to be the witness to God, this is not the time for us to be accepting gifts and making a name for ourselves. Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and to your descendants forever. And Gehazi went out from Elisha's presence and he was leprous as white as snow. So the lies... And the greed and the prejudice against his enemies brought judgment upon himself. So Naaman comes and he comes out of death into life. Gehazi is going the opposite direction and he's taking a step out of life into death. Now you and I today, we're going one direction or the other. We are. We're heading one direction or the other. Sometimes our pride and our arrogance gets in our way. Naaman humbled himself before God and received what he was seeking after him. Gehazi, seeking to enrich himself at others' expense and using the name of the Lord to do so, brings death and judgment upon himself. So it's odd, isn't it? that the servant of the prophet of God, the man who knew God and had seen him work many times, is farther away from God than the pagan enemy of Israel who comes with an open heart and an open mind. So to me, it's telling me as a Christian, I need to make sure that my heart is right with God. I need him I need to be willing that others receive the same benefits that I want for myself. Receive the same blessings. Receive the same forgiveness. Receive the same grace of God in their life. All of us want God's grace in our life. But what happens when he wants to give that same grace to people we don't like? Are we willing for God to do that? So where are we this morning as we come before the Lord? Gehazi, Naaman, Elisha, the young girl, the servants of Naaman, one of the kings, where are we in this? Because Naaman's going to be this great public figure that's gonna go back and be a witness for God. Anybody have a testimony to share this morning? We the Pooh and Piglet have it right, don't they? It is today. And it's our favorite day because of the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for your mercy and grace. So grateful, Lord, that your mercy and grace is greater than our prejudices, greater than our fears, greater than our greed and selfishness. That if we come to you laying aside our our pride and our arrogance, our judgments. And lay these down at your feet. We receive from you life itself, cleansing, wholeness, forgiveness, and life. Draw us close to you today, we pray. We pray, Lord, that we might walk in newness of life, in the fullness of what your cross has won for us.